and we are live. Hey everyone, welcome to TTSN, the Transformational Squirrel Network, where we make shift happen. Tonight, tonight, sorry, sorry. Cindy's going to introduce <laughs> our guest. So tonight we uh, have Sheena Blackmore with us, and she's a catalyst for change and transformation. Uh, she's a midwife of the soul, helping others navigate darkness and transitioning them through liminal spaces with courage and grace. And Sheena and her husband actually own a bed and breakfast out in BC. And she also offers yoga online coaching and counseling. So welcome, Sheena. And we're so excited to share you with our audience. And we would love to start out by having you share with us what put you on your healing journey and brought you to where you are today. Okay. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind for me actually goes further back than where I would have normally started my story over the last several years of my life like throughout my 20s I always started the story at um, when I lost my brother to suicide um, in 2002 but in lieu or light of the current situation with the First Nations and the residential school um, stuff that's come up, it's kind of triggered memories for me way back to when I was like 11 or 12 years old. And um, having a really like strong desire for spirituality in my life. So I was raised or baptized Catholic and would go to church every Sunday with my mom. And around, I'd say, I think it was around 11 or 12. It might have been a little bit older but I started to feel a strong resistance just to like the parroting kind of um actions of the church like I didn't really understand why I wanted to know why we were saying what we were saying what were we we were, were why were we just like standing up and sitting down <laughs> standing up mm -hmm. and sitting down why did I have to confess my sins to a priest you know so I started to kind of resist and struggle with that a little bit at quite a young age but it was just sort of a natural resistance or a natural inquiry. And then I wanted to go and sit in other churches. So, you know, I, I guess it, that I don't know what triggered it. it. It could have been an alignment in the stars for all I know. But something around that age got me a little bit more like I had this natural inclination towards feeling maybe a spirit spirituality over re religion and wanting to explore that or and I felt really really connected or really drawn to the image of Christ and the image of Mary as images but I didn't really feel connected necessarily to the church itself as an institution or you know the dogma or the rituals mm -hmm. but I would just stare at the stained glass window of Christ there with the heart the flame heart you know and and mary and and i love them i would just meditate on those images um so in my teenage years i would go to church twice because i had to go to church with my mom but then i would go with my friends to the protestant full gospel church as well where it was a lot about like devotion and singing and praise and worship and there was just more of a for me at the time like a heart connection when you're singing you're connecting to the heart 
Um, and it was very devotional, which is similar to the path of bhakti in yoga, which is the devotional, it's a devotional path. It's the chanting of mantras and directing your sentiments that you can't necessarily express in words towards the divine through song or through mantra. So I've always connected, I guess, from a yogic perspective with that lineage or with the tradition of bhakti yoga, which is a devotional path. So I would say that's sort of what's come into my memory as of late with just what's been coming up and thinking back to when I felt a little bit rebellious um, towards the Catholic Church. And um, I'm not like, I have good memories there too. And I did feel a connection to God and to, you know, Christ and Mary, as I said, while I was in the church. So to me, it, it was a place that I also felt good, but there, it was there was just something there for me at the time that I, that I questioned. And then it left for a while, um, probably in my teenage years. And, and then it came back again, you know, the seeking when I, when my brother passed away. So, um, and then after that is a whole, whole nother ride and a whole nother journey, but that would have been the beginning point, I think. And then I think we all could think back to times when we were children, when we had, these connections more naturally as well so it, it can go back to previous lifetimes <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. it's a never-ending story exactly right yeah how old were you when you lost your brother i was tw um, 20. okay yeah and so the yoga that you do you say you call it therapeutic yoga correct Mm -hmm. is, that, is that what you call it? So can you describe to us um, what it all entails? Like what, what, can, what can you um, get from doing yoga? Um, so, okay, so the, the approach, the, thera the word therapeutic, I don't know, it's just kind of a word that I use to differentiate the difference between being in a public large class with all these different types of body-mind constitutions and needs and requirements where you can't meet the individual need of each person in the class. Um, so I use the term yoga therapy or therapeutic yoga to differentiate between more of the like the one-on-one -on -one approach where you're you're dealing with the unique person. They have their own kind of uh, way of thinking, way of moving throughout the world, a different um, body constitution. And so it, from an Ayurvedic perspective, prescribing yoga was done this way. It was, you know, cause not, we, we have different requirements. So mm -hmm. um, again, from the Ayurvedic perspective, it's a very elemental based um, approach. They use the science or um, the philosophy or theory of the five sacred elements to identify the uh, ratio of elements that work for the person. So someone might have a more fiery mind, but a more earth water body or a very earth water mind, but a fiery physical um, constitutional makeup or maybe an airy mind, like that squirrel energy is represented by the air element. And someone can have a mind that really is governed by their element, but in their body, they look like an earth 
element, you know, they could be more muscular or more just have more weight or tissue on their body, um, more that mama earth kind of presence in their physical constitution, but their mind could be a little bit more whirly or tornado-y or just swift. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just quick, quick thinking, creative mind is represented by the element. So when you prescribe yoga, you can choose asanas or postures that help to balance out anything that is in excess and to increase what's in a deficient state, you might say. And, and that's just how you work on that elemental basis. And part of it's intuition, you know, and, and getting to know the client, getting to know a little bit of their history, a little bit of their life story, you know, what, like, trying to get a sense of where they were at maybe when they were born and then based on the conditioning and life's experiences and traumas like what came out of balance and then how to bring us back and with the idea in mind that we can all um we can all strive for more of a tridoshic it's called or like a balanced constitution where we're not really governed by one or the other we might have an inclination towards that but it becomes something that we feel masterful over and it can become like a superpower so rather than feeling like a victim to let's say if we have a lot of fire so we're triggered easily to anger or rage or you know have a temper um, if we know that about ourselves and recognize that fire is a more predominant energy and we learn to master that then it's no longer something that we need to experience as an excess or something that we feel a victim to, but more empowered by. And then we, through what we choose to eat, what we choose to watch, listen to our activities, the asanas or the yoga postures that we pick, we can, you know, decide, do I want to increase my fire? Do I want to take it down? And so eventually we can really become balanced. No one is just fixed or stuck with what they were born because that will be also determined by the parents and what they ate and the season you were born in and and you know your birth chart the position of the planets at the time of your birth you know all of those things they're not fixed but they're like a map to help you mm -hmm. um, develop self-mastery and come to a place of balance or um, equanimity or equilibrium so that you can be a fire person when you need to you can be a water person or an earth person or an air person when you need to you can understand you know how to choreograph with the energies of your environment with what it is that you're experiencing or feeling or sensing and you can kind of work like a magician you know or your own shaman to choreograph these energies and help to bring yourself into a state of balance or understand what the medicine is. If you're working within an environment while you're in a relationship or relating to another or simply just going through your own stuff, you can choose you know, the, the, the appropriate medicine to help bring you into a state of greater balance and feeling more centered and in the heart. Wow. Can you give an example of each, like of, of a, of how a person might act or how they would know if they are fire or how they would know if they're water or air or earth. Could you give us an example of each of those, something that they might do or something, a way they might look or? Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of tests online. And I, I also wanna say that I'm not, um, I don't have any really formal training in Ayurveda. I did, um, 
I did sort of dive into it for a while when I was seeking to understand a little bit more of the source of where yoga came from. And so yoga is just a branch of Ayurveda. So Ayurveda sort of was here and then it umbrellas out and there's so many different branches. Um, and so yoga is just one arm of, of the branch. So, or of the sort of the source. Um, Ayurveda means science of life. So I just wanted to throw that out there that it was, it yoga led to wanting to get a little bit closer to the source of where this tradition came from. And I did meet an Ayurvedic physician and a therapist and learned a lot just by interacting with them and um, going through some Ayurvedic um, cleansing treatments and experiences with them on my own healing journey. Um, and as a massage therapist, kind of naturally picked up some of the and as a yoga teacher naturally started to integrate those things into my practice. So I just wanted to say that, that a lot of what I'm sharing isn't, you know, it's not coming from a formal background, but just from my, my experience and, and just observing and, and studying it through life. So um, they're, they're called the doshas, I'll say, first of all. And so this is something that you can definitely look up. And they're divided into three categories. So you have um, vata, which is spelled V-A-T-A, uh, pitta, which is P-I-T-A, it might have two T's, I can't remember. And then kapha, or some people say kapha, and that's K-A-P-H-A. And so the vata um, dosha is predominantly air space element. Okay, the kapha or kapha, is water and earth and pitta is fire so that's just sort of the basic when you're born you will have a ratio of vata pitta kapha okay now an example of a let's say a predominantly uh, vata constitution would be someone who's very etheric creative light mobile swift, quick. They also may come across as not being grounded, a little bit flighty, um, harder to stay in their body. And this is if they have a high percentage of vata or they're in like a vata um, imbalanced state. Um, yeah, or dry skin, they might suffer from dry skin. You know, so because if you think of the airspace element, just what that does in nature. So we, if we have too much air, you know, the earth starts to dry up and crack. You know, there's not enough moisture in the earth to keep it, you know, the, the soil really moist. Okay, so you just look to nature to really understand mm -hmm. and, and kind of relate. Um, the wind picking up could really aggravate someone with a high vata constitution. Okay, it could make them feel really like scattered. Um, so air and space all, also represent the mind and our thoughts. So we can recognize when we're experiencing a little bit of a vata imbalance, when we feel like the, the tornado mind is going and we're not able to ground. Okay, so that's an indicator Swirl. of vata. Yeah. Um, but I love that you brought in transformational network right after that, because transformation is the it, fire is responsible for transformation. And so you're not just, you know, you're bringing in more of a balance. It's not just about the squirrely, um, you know, you're bringing in the fire element there as well. 
and then network you know that's a little bit more space but there's ways you can see how this can translate into every area of life like words will have you know an energetic that feels elemental that you'll be able to identify or you know animals you'll start to see so the kapha, um, so that's the air, the, sorry, the earth and water combination. And so someone with a kapha, let's say body type, um, because that is the earth. So that's why I went to the body. You can see that when I was talking about vata, I was talking more about the mental kind of state. Um, when I moved into kapha, I came to the body. But someone's body with predominantly vata energy will look thin you know, tall, maybe, maybe long limbs. Um, so you can get the idea. And then Kafa will be someone maybe who struggles with their weight. Um, the musculature and the really like kind of muscly body constitution likely will have more Pitta in it, but not necessarily. The big boned person will be maybe more Kafa um, in their body constitution in their mind, that would look like someone who's very calm, easygoing, um, sweet, um, non-confrontational. Yeah, someone who can really just kind of go with the flow. They feel very grounded. They're not, they kind of pause or think before they speak. Um, does that make, does that, mm -hmm. you're getting a feeling? Mm -hmm. That, but they could have that in their mind, like a mental constitution there, but their body could look differently right. and be more of a, a vata type, let's say. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then pitta, we kind of touched on physically, they're going to be like the athletic look, you know, that the athlete or the athletic body, um, muscular, they're, they could suffer from things like ulcers or indigestion, anything fiery, um, you, you can relate, or inflammation, those kinds of things. And um, they might get aggravated in the heat if there's too much, the temperature outside is too hot or they, they get too hot, they could be aggravated and get kind of frustrated or angry. Um, mentally, a, a, a pitta mind, Again, so the, the, the more positive or balanced qualities would be um, intellect. Okay, so sharp intellect. Um, I'm having trouble thinking of that one more because I always jump to the, the more imbalanced or triggering energies of like quick to anger, frustrated, mm -hmm. but... Um, just there's a sharpness to their intellect and their mind. So they could be more like knowledge or study, you know, based. And these are just sort of guesses. Don't quote me on that. But it's an invitation for all of us to inquire, like what would a fiery mind when in balance? How would that look? Someone maybe who can easily transform, you know, a negative thought into a positive thought. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think of the quality of transformation, um, well, that might be something. Right. So, those are just some general examples. Mm -hmm. And so when you work with a client, do you have uh, like an interview process or a way to know what they need in their yoga practice? 
Yeah, so like I said, there's lots of tests online that you can find and they're called like an Ayurvedic dosha test. Dosha is spelled D-O-S-H-A. And um, they could fill one out online and come to me with, you know, the results of that questionnaire. But generally, I don't have people fill that out. Um, I work more intuitively and through this my se my sense perception. So, someone I can obviously see their their body shape. Once I start talking to them, I can get a sense of where they are at mentally, which will change, right? So, it, we know that we've changed since we were this age to this age to this age, and we that's that's the power of um, that's the empowerment of working with the elements. Um, so I just really work with people in the moment, how they show up um, because the body also changes and then the seasons change. So you're also working with like in the winter, you might do a little bit more of a fiery practice, work with the warrior postures um, to create some heat in the body. Um, so it's just, it's intuitive. We might start talking about diet and I'm not a nutritionist, but you can get a sense of what needs to happen when you just investigate what is like the elements. It's when you start asking, does this food feel like it's air space, fire or kapha, the earth, water, you get a sense, you get a feeling um, about what it is. So if you're feeling heavy and lethargic in the body and you're struggling with your weight, then you're not gonna wanna choose really viscous, cooked, hot, oily foods. Cause that is like in Ayurveda, like increases like, and the opposite decreases. Okay. Okay. So if you're someone who struggles with frustration, you know, maybe inflammation, um, where you can't sit still and you always got to be really active using your body and you're pushing. So that's, that's a mental energy of the Pitta as well. Like someone who just like that, they always are goal oriented, you know, like they're always pushing and kind of forcing and striving. And so if you can see that, then you know that it's going to be a struggle for them to just sit in a posture and hold it for five minutes mm -hmm. and, and stretch the muscles. Right. Right. And, and, so that would be what's uncomfortable for them, but likely the medicine that would bring them into a greater state of balance to decrease their pitta a little bit and increase a little bit more of maybe the kapha quality in mind, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in body, because that would also mean uh, greater flexibility. Right. So it's just, it really is just responding to, to the energy of the moment and their life as it is now. So that just involves a discussion and an open dialogue um, for the first couple of sessions until we get to know each other a little bit. We might pause in the middle of a class and, and talk about something or things come up and then we start by sharing and then move into the session after that so and then I'll always ask what do you feel you need and we tune into the body and then I design a practice based on what it is that they feel in their body mm -hmm. you know my hips are tight or this or that and it can be just really a practical but they're getting everything else and all the wisdom that comes along with that as they move in and um once in a while I just kind of I, I I interweave you know that knowledge in there but mm -hmm. yeah okay you know, so that's I, how I, I, sorry, I do want to know too about your space because right now you have a, an incredible 
mystical mountain space. And mm -hmm. so your bed and breakfast, is that where you do your work out of if you're one-on-one, -on -one, if you're if you're actually working directly with a client when when everything opens up and you're working with somebody? Or is most of your work done virtually? Well, lately it's been mostly virtually. Yeah. Um, recently I've opened up the month of June to doing private sessions and I've, I've, I'm booking up. So they're one-on-one -on -one and in-person here at the space, mostly for locals, obviously, um, because the travel is still a little bit big for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so, so both, it is obviously nice to be together, but the very first time when I, we were kind of forced to move everything online, I wasn't sure how I'd like it, but it's surprising how, if the setup is good and I can see the full body, so that matters, you know, taking that into account that you're not right up close to the screen and I, cause I can, I, to be able to see, but through verbal cues and instruction, we're able to, to it feels like we're in the same space. So it's mm -hmm. been in my in my experience so far just as effective. The only thing that it's lacking is perhaps like the physical adjustments that could be made, you know, where I could help the person. But I find that it's really been neat to to encourage people to trust themselves more. Like I'll ask them just to really really listen to my instruction and my voice, and then they feel it out from the inside out what what it is, and so in a way it invites a more subtle exploration of their own bodies instead of me just putting their, you know, pulling on their knee there a little bit or their hips there. Cause then it, there's a disconnect, I'm doing it for them. So in a way it's been neat to observe how perhaps that's better. And maybe one-on-one -on -one now, the odd time I might do an adjustment just because it, it, it could help them to realize where they can go, but Otherwise, it's nice just to really think for yourself, you know, and, and figure it out for yourself. And I, I, I feel that's, that's actually um, strengthening the link bet between the body and the mind more. So now that I think about it. <laughs> so, yeah. So for some of our audience yeah. that maybe haven't done yoga, um, can you maybe touch in on some of the, the benefits, you know, the cellular memory stuff and, and just what it can do for you? Mm -hmm. um, well, the first, I get, I'll just go with what comes to mind. It's maybe a little bit of a story more than anything else about my personal experience, but it will highlight how yoga can benefit our lives. Um, one of my first, you know, handful of, I, I maybe did a handful of yoga classes, but it was within that very first introduction to yoga that I had several emotional releases. And this was about, about three years after my brother passed away, maybe. So it was really quite fresh. Um, and I was young and didn't have a lot of tools at the time and so it was just like this phenomenal realization of what gets stored in the body and how movement is so important for release and 
it was, it's hard to put into words, but it was like in those moments, I knew that there was something greater than myself at play and that yoga was like this magical thing. And that it wasn't just postures, but it was connected to a lineage. It was connected to a wisdom tradition or a consciousness that just by putting yourself in the postures that have been practiced for 10,000 years, or not 10,000, 4,000 years, um, it could be 10,000, maybe, maybe I said that for a reason. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that something can happen when you repeat over thousands of years, you know, a certain energy gets built up. And when you decide to step into or onto a path, that you get everything that comes along with that, not just in this moment, but forward and back in time. And so that was just a big kind of insight. And it made me wanna, I wanted to become a teacher right away. I wanted, to, or just study. I, everyone says this, I've heard everyone say this, that, that decide they wanna teach. Like I, I wanna take a teacher training, not because I wanna teach, but just because I wanna deepen my practice. And I said the same thing. Um, and then you always end up teaching because you learn more through teaching eventually, you know, and then you kind of step back and forth between teacher student roles. But um, so that, so it, for one, it can facilitate emotional release where you feel stuck and it just doesn't seem like doing the, the mental kind of investigation or um, the psycho psych psychological work is, is not really working for you. There you can get kind of reeling around a hamster wheel and, and not move anywhere. And so literally inviting movement into the body can facilitate movement of the emotion or the stuck um, or bring the memory to the surface so that you can actually see what was stuck there. Often there's a memory, a, a visual, a thought, like some word, wording, um, a, a sensation that invokes like a memory. There's something that will accompany your experience or thoughts that will lead up to the emotional release, which will give you clues to the specific, but it's not always necessary that you know. And for me at that time, there was just so much trapped emotion because I probably, I didn't know, really likely know how to process that well, what happened to my brother and our family that it just needed to be like a floodgate, you know, that opened up. And then only after that, did I start exploring the link between our thoughts and our emotions. And um, I did take some work around cellular memory and it's, and emotional intelligence and the link between the two. So um, that's what I also invite people to do during their yoga practice one-on-one -on -one is to pay attention to what, what's, what's coming up. Mm -hmm. you know for them and just just to observe that if if they're because all the answers are there if there's a question it's it's there but we need to kind of move around and investigate if we want movement forward we need to move our bodies it's it's a part of who we are and I think in the spiritual community we can often get so much just talking philosophy and ideas and tools about how to work with things and we can use them but it still can be a lot of like that ether or that you know mental or even feeling which is you know brings us into our body a little bit more but yeah, there's just something there about, I feel it's necessary to really integrate the body into these practices as well. You know, um, it feels relevant and especially 
now with all this stuff in the culture kind of coming to the surface, you know, we, we, we kind of want to see the mirror and also go along with the time. What we're being asked to do is also like our, I always felt um, and sort of acknowledged that we are many earths, you know? So this body, it, like whatever's happening in the collective, whatever we do to the earth, we do to ourselves, whatever we do to ourselves, we do to the earth. They're just, it just seems really essential that if we're going to kind of create a new earth and reclaim our so body sovereignty or, you know, step into full, a fully integrated being, we have to include the physical, we have to understand this physical um, mechanism that is miraculous and operates without us having to do much. But, mm -hmm. but to me, like, why not honor it by, by exploring it and by moving it and by, by being in it and, and loving, loving it as much as we love spirituality or loving it as much as we love learning, you know, how it's, it's a, there's an interesting relationship we've had with like exercise and the body. And a lot of it has been disjointed and fragmented and, and unhealthy, like, especially in the West. And so I think, I think aversions are there for, you know, that have just been passed along. Plus there's been a lot of abuse and trauma that we're meant to be looking at, you know, our ancestral stuff and it's stored in the body. You know, that's the body is, is, is a huge way of how we can access that. So if that's something you want to explore, it's time to, to explore what's in your DNA, what's in your cellular structure. Um, this, I'm just going off. Like, I'm not a scientist. I'm not really a fact person. Like I said, this is just sort of my, what I'm sharing off the top of, you know, from my heart and just flowing with, with the thoughts that are coming. But um, it just, it feels really relevant and important that we, that we stay in the body because if we don't, we'll just continue to disconnect from the trauma because that's where the trauma is stored. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the first thing that we want to do, right, is run from, oh boy, there's that feeling. Mm -hmm. I want to run, right? It's one of those, um, yeah, we want to run. Mm -hmm. Um, in our conversations yeah. prior to There's tonight, a bit of a choppiness. Oh, sorry. It's a little delayed, I guess, hey? Um, prior to, to tonight, our conversations um, in, in somewhere in there, you said, um, with yoga, you experience pain and pleasure simultaneously. And I'd like you to just speak oh, yeah. into um like how you know if we have injuries or trauma that's stored in our body like can you just speak into um you know how it can be related to different diseases and you know different symptoms that we're experiencing and how we can you know reduce symptoms in maybe something that we we've been holding on to for a very long time and not even realize that it's you know connected Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, 
the the thing again I'm just kind of going with cut what the first thing that comes to mind around emotion because that's typically how how we the emotion seems to be the thing that we run away from especially if it feels unpleasant or we label as it as unpleasant um, feeling to us so one thing that's always helped me is to recognize that emotion is just energy in motion Okay, so if you break up the word, we use this, the E as a symbol for energy and dash and motion. So if you remember that equation, e, um, emotion is energy in motion, you can start to explore observing the sensations that you feel as energy <laughs> rather than labeling it as an emotion. Um, and, and recognize that somewhere there's a gateway to your liberation. And so if you're willing to feel the sensation, um, you'll, you'll realize that it's impermanent, you know, like, uh, so in yoga, let's say you're in a forward bend, often the hamstrings are really tight, you know, and it's uncomfortable and it can be painful. But if you study the sensation, like a scientist, if you observe it and you feel it like a scientist, you might observe that at the beginning of your forward bend, it felt like, like, um, like a knife cutting through your hamstrings. And then a few breaths later, it shifted to like a tingling sensation down into your feet. And then a few seconds later, the pain shifted into your hip. And then um, two minutes later, you were able to reach further to your toes. And so, that's the invitation like in our daily lives as well. When we feel something that's unpleasant or painful, um, when we can observe it, I say pleasure and pain are found simultaneously because there is a pleasure in knowing that it's not permanent and that it will shift. And, and eventually you'll come, you'll, it's almost like realizing the, the law of impermanence, you know, that nothing is a threat. So, but we want to run because we feel threatened that it's going to stay, you know, we're going to, we'll get trapped in that feeling or it won't go away. Um, so that's why yoga is so helpful. It's, it's, it's a metaphor that we can take off the mat and into our lives. So that's why going into postures and it's not about like no pain, no gain, but if you apply this approach, it's actually a very compassionate and gentle approach. And you're just observing the sensation for what it is rather than labeling is I don't like this. This feels painful. It's like, oh no, it's hot. It's moving, it's prickling, it's tingling. And it, it becomes more of an objective study. And then you, it's not personal. You know, we also, where we take things personally, like even the fact these are, these are my hamstrings, you know, this is my body. Um, the more attached we are to the identity or the identifying as, as our bodies and that that equals something. So if I have pain in my body, that means that I'm, not fit or that means that I failed myself in some way you know it we take the body so personally and I, and that's not to say we don't love and take care of it personally you know like really love it but like there's just do you understand the difference it's mm -hmm. we want to it doesn't mean that we just detach entirely and say that this body isn't mine you know but anything that we have we want to care for um deeply you know and not and not neglect and and so 
it's if it's as simple as like um like loving an object that you have you know you dust it you take care of it you keep it in a special place like it's approaching the body in the same way um and just stepping outside a little bit which allows you to love yourself through through that and then that's what dissolves you know that's what helps to facilitate the release and the dissolve and bring you back into you know a place of of pleasure or bliss or peace so the trick is there's the the trick truly is, <laughs> is that we want to observe the pleasure, the bliss and the joy in the same way. We want to observe the sensation for what it is and not cling to it. So it is a practice of observing what we experience more objectively, but that's not to say we don't feel or don't have emotions but we just step outside and feel it for what it is and get a little bit less clingy to our identifying or labeling the things that we are experiencing. Just feel the sensations, um, notice how you feel, but allow those sensations to come and go to arise and pass away as easily as the breath comes in and moves out through the nose. And the more we can practice that, the more we can step into the full, like, realized moments of impermanence you know it, it doesn't stick around but and the why we suffer is because when we're joyful we want it to stay forever and when we mm -hmm. feel bliss we want it to stay forever and then it but it goes away we can count on change we can count on impermanence that's a constant yes. it's a natural law you mm -hmm. know and so just accept once we can do that then it's like we're not so <clears throat> rocked, you know, by the winds of change or the turbulent waters. Um, we can just, we can just kind of feel and observe. That's mm -hmm. the mantra, feel the physical sensations and observe, feel the breath and observe the breath. So I always say you have two jobs in yoga and one is to feel and observe your breath coming in and out through the nose, feel and observe the the sensations, the physical sensations that are happening throughout the body. Um, and that's it. Feel and observe breath and body sensation. And that alone is a is just a hugely enlightening practice and liberating practice. And you'll find that, you know, you practice it on the mat, but you you'll find that you can start to do it, you know, in more and more moments throughout your life. And, um, and then the reason I say like these this, this is emotion or feeling is the gateway or the channel to, to truth, you know, because there's a bit of distortion where we, where we are really emotional, you know, there, the truth can be distorted and we become emotional because of what our thoughts are thinking, telling, deciding, right? So first it's the thought because it's the most subtle form of elemental energy. Okay. And then comes the physical sensation and it's the physical sensation that we react to, but the physical sensation, the quality of the physical sensation occurs because of the quality of the thought that happened in the first place, which was a conditioned response to something based on the past, not on the, re the, the moment. Not on the moment. Does that make right. sense? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's linking something from the past, an emotion from the past to the situation in the present, which you don't even know why you're upset. 
about what's happening right now, but it's linked to something that's happened in the past or that emotion is the same as something that's happened in the past. So, you know, Eckhart Tolle had said, um, and you, you brought mm -hmm. it up, sorry, I've got the sun shining just at the wrong spot at the wrong time. Um, so Eckhart Tolle had said that, you know, it doesn't matter if something appears to be positive or something appears to be negative. If, if it appears to be negative, this too will pass. If it appears to be positive, this too will pass. So never get yourself attached to one or the other, whether you perceive it to be one way or another. It's truly not either. It just is. So. And it makes sense too that I think this would really help with um, like even addictions or cravings or that kind of thing too, right? How you know, that is something that happened and we grabbed onto something and that became our uh, validity or whatever you want to say for that, right? That that's okay, I, I need to eat chocolate when this happens or I need to smoke when that happens or whatever, right? And so really coming in contact with, with whatever it is that's stored in your body, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now, the yoga that you do, as we were talking a little bit earlier, isn't, um, you know, full, full yoga stretches, poses. That's not the kind of yoga that you're um, necessarily talking about right now, right? It's more subtle yoga. Can you kind of describe that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a preference and a response to what I feel is needed now. I mean, um, so it's just a little bit, it's slower moving, it's lower to the ground, it's, um, it's really mindful. And, and the invitation is a lot, like I said, it's to feel, to feel and observe because we wanna use yoga as a channel to liberate ourselves, not just to exercise and get strong and flexible, which does translate to you know, the mind and the heart as well, but, um, yeah, so so it's a bit more like a like a journey, like a physical shamanic journey, that that I feel like I'm more holding space for at the moment. But we still do asanas, you know, one on one. Like I said, if it if I'm teaching to a group, I keep it pretty general, and we focus on opening up the spine and just doing some gentle exercises to liberate any tightnesses, you know, that that restrict our breathing, and we open up the the limbs. So I make sure that the arms and the legs there's something there to kind of open up those channels because when they're blocked, then the, the trunk of the body gets blocked. And then that's when we start to really vibrate in, on a stressful level and our chakras and all the, you know, our energy centers get all kind of clogged up or out of balance. So the limbs are really a focal point because I always say, if you imagine that your limbs are like the rivers, that lead to the ocean, which is the trunk of the body. If there was a dam in the river, then it would start to back up and clog up, you know, the ocean, let's say. So that's just sort of one metaphor and idea. So the limbs are important. And then um, having an awareness of like the smaller marma points or energy centers throughout the body. It's just all, it's about opening up the network and the channels so that the flow of prana or chi or life force, even just 
simply blood flow and lymph flow can flow more effectively and efficiently through the body. And it's not like an intense workout necessarily, but it's more, and then feeling and pausing between exercise, each exercise and just taking a moment to feel and observe the benefit now. What is happening now that's integrating as a benefit? Because often we, we do yoga and then we think in like a month I'll receive the benefits or I'll see the benefits of my practice. So I always like to invite people to take a moment just to receive after the exercise that they did because that's how you get to feel what's happening now and it's really exciting because you can you can literally feel the energy um increasing or the blood flow like rushing through your your limbs or into your fingertips or you know the tension you know in your upper chest like loosening it's 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 just it's working and inviting more of that subtle awareness in mm -hmm. And something really exciting is that Sheena is going to actually provide us with some sessions live in our group. Yes. And so coming up this month, I guess, we're going to work on getting that offered. We'll be announcing it in the group as to when. And um, I don't know, if, did you want to explain what you were planning to do there, Sheena? Um, well, I just was putting it out there um, for anyone who wanted to join. We could do a yoga class once a week that I would offer for free to the group. And um, I would start with introducing some of the exercises for the spine. And then we would repeat that each week and add on a little bit more, um, you know, information and uh, poses or exercises that you can do so that the repetition um, kind of sinks into the memory of your body and you're able to access it as a tool that you have where you don't necessarily need someone to teach you anymore. So that's the idea is through repetition, you get the wisdom of the routine and it becomes something that you can easily do and access daily. I, I recommend it daily or for sure when you notice that your body is feeling stiff or it needs some movement, it's a, just a really quick and easy thing and powerful thing. Um, that you can do to keep yourself aligned, your channels open and feeling good and feeling that kind of blissful, you know, boost. You can give yourself, give that to yourself through these exercises. It doesn't take long and the peace and bliss starts flowing. So, mm. yeah. That's beautiful. I, so we will mm -hmm. announce that um, days and times in the Facebook group. And we will, what we'll do is, um, when Sheena's available, we'll post that up and either Cindy or myself will, will um, help Sheena get into the group to be able to do that. And we'll also have recordings then of it and we'll tag those in a room and let you know where those are as well. So Sheena, I think that we've come to the point in our show where I, first I have to ask you if there's anything else specific that you would like our listeners to know about before we do our squirrel shots? Yeah, so um, I just thought after to mention um, for the, the, the yoga that I'll be sharing can be done in a chair. So you don't need to be able to sit on the floor for long periods of time or so it can be done seated. Some of the postures or most of them can be done standing or, or in a chair. So it's quite, it, it's accessible to everyone. 
Um, and then lastly, I, and maybe I could just put this little bit of information in the comments, but um, we are a bed and breakfast, but we also host retreats out here. So um, it's our first year and kind of a new business for Robert and I that we've envisioned for about three or four years now. And it's a big dream that's come true. And, and I did just want to mention that we're hoping to open in July and book retreats mm. throughout the summer mm. and into the fall. Um, and we're even offering um, one month stays in the winter if you want to kind of take a kind of break from life and just cozy up with a book by the fire in our cottage um, that's detached from the main house in the woods, then um, everyone is most welcome to, to come. So we, it's, yeah. So I just wanted to mention that as well. So yeah. please definitely place that in the comments underneath the, or on the thread in the, in the group. I'm sure, sure we'll have people who would be very interested in hearing more. Um, and post all of your contact information and your site in there as well. We would love our, our listeners to be able to have access to that. Okay, so are you ready for sure. our squirrel shots? Yeah. <laughs> so, I am, yeah. <laughs> number one, who do you admire most? My mother. Nice. When are you most inspired? Um, in the morning, at dawn, right before the sun rises. Mm. What's the top destination place on your list? Uh, I want to explore more of the acres and the land that we have here. So mm. I'm, I feel on holiday this first year at our new place. So mm. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. What was your favorite book growing up? Um, favorite book growing up? I wasn't much of a reader, but I'll tell you my favorite author in my early, like from 20 on, um, the first author that I really dove into, her name is Lynn Andrews. She's a shaman mm. uh, teacher um, from, I think, Los Angeles, but she studied with uh, elders in Manitoba, Canada, and she's oh, written... Wow. So many books and the, her books were the first book that I could not put down and I would read from from start to finish. So I don't know why, but it ended up being Lynn Andrews and beautiful journeys and teachings in her books. So nice. Yeah. If you had a yacht, what would you call it? What would you name it? I missed the start of the question. If you had a yacht, what would you name it? A yacht. <laughs> Gosh. Um, I'm not sure what I would. That's okay. You, you don't have to be sure. Something, um, about, something about dream. Some oh. dreams or, yeah. Okay. Right. If you could create a documentary about anything, what would it be about? Oh God. Um, the documentary would be about returning to nature as the solution to returning to self. Oh. And 
Yeah, just a lot that nature teaches us how to align with the original creation and with the thoughts of the creator. And, and if we can relate to nature or look at it in that way, that all the codes, all the information, the life codes, it's all there. And it, it just awakens us, you know, back to our original nature. So it would be around that and the idea or concept of co-creation. What is your favorite type of flower? Right now we have purple irises in bloom. So I'll say that for today. Do you have any guilty pleasures? Mm, chips. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah. yeah okay, and your last question. <laughs> the last question I'm going to ask you is, what is your favorite quality in your very best friend? In what, sorry? In your very best friend. Your favorite quality of your best friend? Um, unconditional acceptance and gentleness. Beautiful. Now, Cindy has one last question for you before we wrap this up. If you were able to climb to the highest mountaintop and the whole world could hear you, what would you say? I would say, um, that you're here to follow the dream of your soul. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So nice. Well, we've come to the point in our show where we have to say goodbye. So <laughs> I wanna thank you, Sheena, for joining us tonight. It's been great to get to know a little bit more about you and a little bit more about your journey and yoga and to have this offer for our group of free yes. yoga classes. So thank you again for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for being here as well. We look forward to having you listen in again next week. But for, for now, have a great week. And we'll see you later. Signing off from TTSN. Thank you so much. Thank you.